The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Greetings, geeks, and welcome to another edition of Wizards Half. This is mini-episode 77.5. These are the episodes where we get into all the nitty-gritty details we didn't have time for on the main episodes. And boy, that was a great time having Steven Sapalis back on the show, and eventually Michael. Yeah, so uh, it was just a great conversation between friends. You know, we met because of the podcast. Steven was a listener first. He kept messaging us. And over time, just the friendship and the kinship developed, and he got to be on the show for about a year as our co-host until life took him away but yeah uh, he will be back sooner than later as you heard at the end of the episode because he wants to get together with William Bruce West it's nice to be building this wizards community of guests who enjoy each other as much as we enjoy having them so we will get to that soon but hey in the meantime I wanted to get into a few more of these letters like I said the magic words section was just full of letters from comic book pros and the first one here Dear Wizard, one question. Why do you guys keep stealing my bathrobe every year at the San Diego Comic-Con? Doesn't that Seamus guy pay you enough to buy a robe of your own? It's getting kind of old and I'm freezing my ass off over here. It's very frustrating getting out of a shower and having no robe to put on. I'm getting goosebumps in places I didn't even know I had places. They're nice. Personalized, terry cloth robes that say Jim on them. And I'm getting sick of you stealing them. Cut it out. Go get your own damn robe. Thanks. Jim Lee, President, Wildstorm Productions. <laughs> And the only response that Jim McLaughlin offers is, see next letter. So it says here, Dear Mr. McLaughlin, Noting your position at Wizard is one of great power and keeping your lofty yet aloof nature in mind, I admit I was quite shaken by your phone message the other day. After all, are you not the man who can make or break careers with a mere mention or lack thereof or destroy entire companies with a stroke of your keyboard? What could you possibly have wanted? I didn't know. So I contacted Jimmy Palmiotti, my best friend and co-founder of Event Comics, proud publishers of the two best comics in the universe, Ash and Painkiller Jane, and told him of your call. Together we comprised a list. Jimmy and I are quite fond of lists. Here goes, top 10 reasons why Jim McLaughlin called. Number 10, selling subscriptions to Wizard. Number 9, inviting us to his wedding. Number 8, to complain about his cramps, again. Number 7, just checking to see if we're still in business. Number 6, to thank us for the hookers. Number five, wants us to switch over to AT&T. Four, to brag about his prowess at last week's Wizard Office Orgy. Number three, top ten artist list payola check bounced. Number two, wrong number. Jim Lee's is just one digit different. And the number one reason Jim McLaughlin called, wants us to send him more hooch. Please don't hurt me. Joe Casada, co-founder of Event Comics, proud publishers of the two best comics in the universe, Ash and Painkiller Jane. P.S. Jimmy says thanks for the personalized terry cloth robe you gave him in san diego <laughs> oh those guys and so jim mclaughlin responds looks like you forgot number 11 joe just looking for your sister's number and i'm not getting married p.s tell jimmy he's welcome oh so they were just having some fun these goofy guys in the comic book industry but hey you know who else is having fun people who are winning prizes so it's time that we get into caps kooky contests
Now, as we mentioned in the episode, this was the year-end blockbuster issue, so it had way more contests than usual, but also some that weren't even official wizard contests. Remember, we talked about the ads being a little bit higher caliber, and one of those was for the Mortal Kombat Annihilation soundtrack, and there is a contest in here. Let's read it. It says, to celebrate this month's release of the Mortal Kombat Annihilation movie and soundtrack album, Wizard Press, TVT Soundtracks, and New Line Cinema want to give you the Mortal Kombat experience in your own hometown with the ultimate Mortal Kombat Annihilation Bash Grand Prize, a private local screening of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and pizza party for you and your 200 closest friends. Second prize, 50 runners-up will receive the Mortal Kombat Annihilation Original Motion Picture Soundtrack CD. The album includes 19 all-new killer cuts from Megadeth, KMFDM, Juno Reactor, Face to Face, Scooter, Psychosonic, Man Break, and lots more. Relive the excitement at home. And then it says, See Mortal Kombat Annihilation in theaters, November 19th. Pick up the Mortal Kombat Annihilation original motion picture soundtrack in stores now. Now, what's strange about this is this definitely was not a November issue. At least I would think so. It would be a December issue because it was, you know, end of the year, had a January cover date. So maybe they were just a little late getting this contest together. I don't know. But all you literally have to do is send in the entry form. What's funny is I have an old issue of Nintendo Power. Big surprise, right? I have old pop culture magazines. And in one of those, they were promoting the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in 1990, and it was the exact same prize as you got a pizza party and a movie theater to yourself to fill with 200 friends. And that was the thing that I always thought was hilarious. It's like, there's no way you're going to get 200 people together. How many people in their lives have at their beck and call 200 folks that'll show up to a party? So that always cracked me up. Anyway, let's get on to one of the real contests. So this one's called The Ultimate Battle, presented by Sony Computer Entertainment America. And it says, three of the hottest new games for your PlayStation game console are Bushido Blade, Squaresoft's innovative 3D sword fighting game, Armored Core, a 3D arcade shoot-em-up, and Cardinal Sin, a 3D arcade-style fantasy fighting game. What? You don't have a PlayStation game console? Well, fill out the coupon below, and you might just win one. And a bunch of other prizes, too. Grand prize. One randomly picked winner gets his very own PlayStation game console with 10 games, which includes Bushido Blade, Armored Core, and Cardinal Sin, and a one-year subscription to PlayStation Underground CD Magazine. First prize this lucky winner walks away with a PlayStation jacket and a one-year subscription to PlayStation Underground CD Magazine. Second prize, five more lucky winners each score a one-year subscription to PlayStation Underground CD Magazine and a PlayStation t-shirt. Now, the one thing on the entry form, it does say here, are you a boy or a girl? Do you own a PlayStation? How many PlayStation games do you intend to purchase this year? So they're definitely doing their work here and trying to check out what the market was up to. Now, this other thing here it goes in again to the sponsors, but it says this month's contest is sponsored by Sony Computer Entertainment America. It's like a real-life Stark Enterprises. Neat, huh? The Long Legalese says, well, it says nothing. Yeah, there's no jokes here. Sony wasn't messing around, I guess. On to the next contest. Well, here's a theme after my own heart. Acclaim Comics presents the Quantum and Woody's Get the Goat contest. He's Vincent Van Goat, that lovable little fellow from Quantum and Woody. But November is Acclaim Comics' Goat Month, and he's going to be hip-hopping his way through all of the Valiant Heroes titles. How to win? Those wacky Acclaim artists have hidden Mr. Van Goat in at least one page in each of the Acclaim comics listed below. Your job is to find that goat and note every one of the goat sightings on the entry form. Be specific. We need you to list each issue, which page and the number of panels Vincent appears in. If you have a sharp enough eye, you could win Goatee Goo. 
goodies. Grand prize. One lucky goat lover will receive one page of empty bright original artwork from Quantum and Woody number three, the goat issue. You'll also win a signed set of Quantum and Woody number one through eight and a Quantum and Woody Valiant Voyeur. That ought to get your goat. First prize. Ten other goat herders will receive a side set of Quantum and Woody number one through eight and a Quantum and Woody Valiant Voyeur. I don't know what the Valiant Voyeur is. I assume it's like their Marvel Age or Malibu Sun or something. Anyway, it says here, love them, they're goats. Second prize, 20 other were goats will receive a Quantum and Woody Valiant Voyeur. Love them goats. Mmm, goats. They're just having fun saying goats. It is funny to me how popular this character was that they just thought we could base a whole contest around it. That will get people to buy every issue of our releases this month. But it does say here, in case you were curious where you would find them, Solar number two, Quantum and Woody 10, Bloodshot number nine, Eternal Warriors Blackworks, Magnus Robot Fighter number 11, Shadow Man number 13, Troublemakers number 12, Trinity Angels number nine, Exo Manowar number 14, and then and it says this month's contest is sponsored by Acclaim Comics, and according to Acclaim, none of us exist. Legally, it's goat cheese. So, contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Acclaim Comics, their immediate families, and Solar. How many times have we told you not to play with black holes near the house? What, is Solar Dennis the Menace now? Alright, well that's the only joke in that contest, so let's get on to another one here. What do you say? Well, we're doing it anyway. Marvel Comics and Ennice? Ennice? present the armor makes the man iron man contest iron man is back from the heroes reborn universe and is getting a new look now marvel comics is giving you a chance to throw shellhead some fashion tips sean chen the house of ideas new iron man artist is interested in your ideas for iron man's new look he wants you to redesign the hero's regular armor or develop a new kind of special use armor you know like deep sea armor heavy artillery armor vegas showgirl etc the best combination of creative concept and cool art will win grand prize one lucky art Artist will win a sketch of his redesigned armor drawn by Marvel Comics' Sean Chen. And for outfitting the Golden Avenger, Anise is gonna outfit the winner head-to-toe with three complete outfits including jeans, shirts, jackets, and hats. You can't beat that with a repulsor array. So if you look over here, there's a very tiny picture of this model wearing, you know, fashionable clothes. So this Anise must have been a clothing line I'm just not aware of. But first prize, five first prize winners will receive a copy of Marvel Comics' new Iron Man number one, signed by artist Sean Chen, and a complete Anise outfit. Avengerific! Second prize, 15 other Ferris fans will receive a copy of Marvel Comics' new Iron Man number one, signed by artist Sean Chen, and an Anise t-shirt and hat! It's enough to bribe the Mandarin with! So yeah, again, just another sign of the times how Wizard is trying to get higher class people with their contests and the magazine itself. So the Ironclad Legalese says, this contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, Marvel Comics, Anise, their immediate families, and that teenage Tony Stark thing we all wish we could forget. Yeah, so and it looks like this is kind of their new deal, is just one joke per legal text. I'd love to see the armor that he would wear to a birthday party. He could call it his birthday suit! Huh? Huh? Oh, come on, that's not any worse than some of the wizard top 10 jokes. Now on to the next contest! 
Looks like we have more fashion in mind here because this is the Design the Image t-shirt contest. Image Comics, home of Spawn, Witchblade, Astro City, Gen 13, Divine Right, and too many other cool books to list here, wants you to design its official 1998 company t-shirt. Using the Image logo and its incredible stable of characters, create a design that best exhibits the excitement you could see in Image Comics. Creativity, not necessarily artistic ability, is what counts. So get cracking. The most creative and innovative designs will win wild prizes. And it actually says here you have Spawn up in the corner kind of crouching. He says, it better be cool. So what you can win, grand prize. One aspiring artist will see his or her design become the official Image t-shirt, and it will be drawn by one of Image's many talented artists. The grand prize winner also gets the art, which will be signed by the Image partners. This lucky winner also receives a full year subscription to a whole slew of Image comics. Imagine that! Im imagine that? They're trying to make a pun. A first prize, ten almost as lucky winners get an official Image comic t-shirt and a set of image comics signed by the image partners image is everything second prize 20 second prize winners will get an official image comics t-shirt hey at least you won't catch cold this contest is sponsored by the coolest people on the left coast image comics contest open to anyone except employees of wizard press image comics their immediate families and and damn we're stuck for a joke here uh oh well <laughs> So that must be why. They're just tired of writing legal text jokes. They can't come up with enough of them. All right, last contest here is DC Comics Presents the Chasing Chase DC Knowledge Contest. Her name is Cameron Chase, and she is an operative for the Department of Extranormal Operations. Her job? Monitor superheroes. But there's a catch. Chase has a secret as well. Use the clues provided below to answer this question. What kind of mysterious ability does Chase have that she doesn't want anybody to know about? The selected letter and each clue answer can be put together to reveal Chase's secret. So here we go. Here are the clues. Number one, the occupation of Bruce Wayne's father. So a doctor. So that's a D. Or is it physician? Hmm. Okay, let's see. Then number two, the location of Superman's secret base. Antarctica, right? What Wonder Woman was made from? Clay. Number four, gives all super speedsters like the Flash their speed. The speed force? So, all right. Uh, number five, the present Green Lantern's secret identity. So you have Kyle Rayner. Number six, this type of sea creature raised Aquaman. Ooh, is it dolphins? Is it dolphins? I don't know. And finally, name of the JLA's moon base, so the Watchtower. So did they say one letter? The selected letters. What does that mean? Oh, I see. Okay, so they have a, on the entry form, it's kind of like a crossword puzzle where they have the blocks that tell you what fits, and then the selected letter of each one tells you what order to put it in. Wow, this is a mess. Let me see if I can put this together here. All right, I'm back and I put it together. Uh, it wasn't Antarctica. It was the Arctic for Superman's secret base, but everything else worked out. So she is a psychokinetic, which is pretty much what I figured, you know, that's got to be something going on there. But let's find out what I could have won if I had submitted this correctly. So if you're lucky, Chase will offer you these prizes to keep you quiet. Grand prize, one lucky chaser will be drawn into an upcoming issue of Chase by artist J.H. Williams III and Mick Gray. You'll also receive the page of Chase 
chase art that he appears in, and a copy of Batman number 550 featuring Chase's first appearance, and Chase number one signed by Chase's creators J.H. Williams III, D. Curtis Johnson, and Mick Gray. The chase is on. I just gotta know, did this character stick around at all? I just have never heard anybody talk about this series. Second prize, 22nd prizers will receive a copy of Chase number one and Batman number 550 signed by the chase team of J.H. Williams III, D. Curtis Johnson, and Mick Gray. Worth chasing! <laughs> and it says here this month's contest is sponsored by DC Comics, and DC stands for darn cool. Now we are on to the legal paper chase. Contest is open to anyone except employees of Wizard Press, DC Comics, their immediate families, and Bibbo Babowski, who says use way too much to be a role model for kids. <laughs> ah, Bibbo, we love use. Well, that does it for our contest. Let's get into our next segment. Yes, indeed. It's time for our top 10 heroes and villains of the month. Now, what's fun about this one is they say, hey, in tune with our year-end look-ahead, look-back motif, we've interrupted our regularly scheduled top 10 heroes and villains list. Instead, we offer you a look at the most horribly politically incorrect characters of all time. What I find hilarious about this is that obviously Wizard, as we look back now, has many politically incorrect jokes they have made. You know, these days we say woke. Back then, the buzzword was politically incorrect. In fact, Bill Maher named an entire team. TV show after it, so I'm curious to see how this works out. So number one on the list is Luke Cage. Sweet Christmas, Luke Cage, hero for hire, is a tough-talking, street-walking, exploitation badass from the ghetto who ain't gonna take no guff off a of whitey. He's also a horribly contrived ripoff that Marvel came up with in the early 70s to capitalize on the success of the first black action hero movie, Shaft. As such, he gets the full complement of standard early 70s black hero stereotype crap. He's got an afro, he said mama, at least 12 times an issue, and of course, he's been to prison. Is there a bad stereotype untouched? Oh yeah, he never played in the NBA. Guess they missed one. Whew. Yeah, there you go. Number two on the list is Cannonball. Well, golly, cousin Sam Guthrie, or Cannonball as he's known to them city slicker super types, is the personification, now that's a big school learning word, of white trash hillbilly coal miners. Yes siree, he's a down-home good old boy from the mountains who probably drives a pickup truck with a gun rack and everything. And the best part, his power is the ability to blast himself into things and smash through them, effectively using his head as a giant battering ram. Now that's smart. Guess that's what generations of inbreeding and drinking your own homemade corn squeezing whiskey will do to ya. So yeah, there you go, a stereotype on the other end of the spectrum. Number three is Vibe. I am Ego. Vibe's got the grand trinity of bad Hispanic stereotypes. First the name, Paco Ramon. With a handle like that, he ought to be playing a vibraphone in a salsa band somewhere. Then there's his background. How do all Hispanic youths spend their free time? Why, running with the street gang called Los Lobos, of course. And finally, he's got the attitude. Paco's a hot-headed macho muchacho who doesn't like listening to authority. Yeah, if Aquaman or one of them other old farts gives him any static, this volcanic Latino's liable to shove a prison-made shiv in his heart. This guy is everything you've ever seen in a Cheech and Chong movie brought to comics. Now, it's interesting to see how Vibe was totally, you know, revamped for the Flash CW series, you know, Cisco remote. He's not going to be Paco anymore, but that's really interesting. Number 
number four, oh boy, it's Yellow Claw. He's creepy, he's kooky, he's altogether spooky. No, he's not the Oriental Adams family. He's the Yellow Claw, and he represents a fear of the East better than anything this side of spoiled sushi. Heck, he's even got a bad long hair Oriental mustache. This cheeseball Chinese villain sports the whole package. He's a criminal mastermind. He's got a whole harem full of wives. He smokes opium, and he could probably use chopsticks ten times better than any white man. The icing on the cake? When the Marvel FBI assigned an agent to take down the claw, who'd they get for the job? Some guy named Jimmy Woo, who we think owns the noodle shop down the street. Oh, come on, guys. See, you're digging yourselves into a hole here, wizard. You're trying to say, oh, we recognize these are offensive, and then you get into your own offensive stereotypes. Of course, Jimmy Woo is very cool. He is revamped later on. Agents of Atlas and all that stuff, right? All right, number five is Shamrock. Faith and Begora, you boyos. Shamrock is a wee Irish lash who be carrying the luck of the Irish. Blessed be the Barney Stone. Let's turn off the Lucky Charms accent for a bit and ask a question. What the hell kind of ability is luck power? Can she avoid parking tickets, pick winning lotto numbers, avoid puking when she's drunk off her ass in the St. Paddy's Day Parade? We don't know! She's so lame, she's nothing but a bad stereotype with no real ability. Well, it is interesting though, you say that, and then how many popular characters? I mean, long shot, essentially luck-based. And then of course, Domino really feels like luck-based, at least in the Deadpool 2 movie, right? Like, they really play that up in a lot of ways, so. Next one here, six is Rage. Oh, we get it. He's a young black man. Therefore, he's got to be angry. So we'll call him Rage. To his credit, Rage was a rather heroic young lad who fought bravely alongside both the New Warriors and the Avengers, and he loved his grandmother dearly. But Rage? What kind of crummy-ass fear of a black planet name is that? What's next? An English guy named Lieutenant Limey? Maybe a Jewish guy called Tightwad? A slanty-eyed guy called Pieface? Wizard, stop it! Stop it! This whole thing is a damage control siren gone wrong. I mean, that is... Ugh, don't do that. Oh, speaking of which, number seven, Pie Face. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. Once upon a time, around the 1960s, that is, it was decided that Green Lantern needed a little buddy. Along came a character named Thomas Kalmuka. Now, instead of giving him a nice little superhero-y code name like Bucky or Robin, he was hung with the moniker of Pie Face. Why? Because he's Alaskan and he's got slanty eyes. That's all. No further reasoning needed. Ugh, man, that's, that might be the worst. <laughs> Batrock, though, is number eight. Batrock is French. That's all you need to know. He sucks hard, like all the French do. The French, for those of you just joining us, are snooty, smell bad, and fold like a card table every time they're involved in a war. And what's their major contribution to the world? Penicillin, which will be outdated by bigger, stronger viruses any minute now. Not to mention the fact that it's just mold in the first place. Bite us collectively, you collective French. Why does Wizard hate the French? I mean, I guess, is Congress New York? Is that upstate New York so it's closer to Canada? Are they closer to Quebec or something? They've had bad run-ins with the French Canadians? I don't know what's going on there. Of course, Batrock, again, at least redeemed, you know, in a Captain America movie. And I know that Mark Wade said in one of their interviews that he and Ron Garney did in Wizard that with their return to Captain America their first order of business was making sure Batrock the Leaper could be cool. So, there you go. Now, number nine, the collect 
collective man. Speaking of collectives, there's the collective man. You see, there are about a billion people living in China. That's a lot of people. And the collective man is Chinese. Therefore, he can split his body into many collective men. Why? Because he's Chinese. That's all. Don't ask any more damn questions. And just to prove those lowly third world types are always low class, he also wears a bad red tunic that went out of fashion about the same time Gilligan's Island was cancelled. Again, it's interesting because you, know, you have the multiple man where that is his power, but it's not associated with where he is from, right? It's not <laughs> something that they attach to his heritage. Uh-oh, look at this. Number 10 is Batman. Batman? Batman. He's the best disguised racial stereotype of them all. He's the man. He's a rich, white, Anglo-Saxon Protestant who represents the landed, gentry, moneyed establishment that keeps us all down. And he probably belongs to the same country club as all those rich, mob-connected criminals he's trying to bring down. Talk about your conflict of interest. He's probably oppressed. Numbers 1 through 9 on this list alone. Death to Bruce Wayne. Storm Wayne Manor. Tear to the ground. Redistribute the wealth. Eat the rich. Power to the people. Wow, so Wizard was kind of ahead of the curve on that one you know we've just seen the trailer for blue beetle right and you have george lopez going batman's a fascist <laughs> you know and of course that has been the meme for a long time rich man who beats up on mentally unstable people so yeah there you go batman uh we're calling you out but for some reason we still love you wow that was a minefield i don't know if i want my voice connected to any of that but now it's time to check out our mort of the month Monsieur Mala. He's your worst friggin' nightmare. He's a French monkey with a gun. And from the looks of that bad bandana, it looks like he's seen Rambo one too many times. It seems there was this French scientist who found a gorilla that was a little stronger and a little more agile than your average gorilla. So being the genius French scientist that he was, he gave the big ape electroshock treatments until, don't ask us how, the gorilla's IQ increased to 178. The scientist named him Monsieur Mala and then had a strong, agile, smart giant monkey to do evil and stuff. That's it. So, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mordo Beater almost maxed out on that one. Just one empty spot. Hey, geeks! It's time to take a break to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Manscaped. If you haven't heard already, it's Smooth Sack Summer. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're manscaped from pubes to bum. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh, dive headfirst into smooth sack summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code wizard20, which my cousin just told me he ordered as well. Oh <laughs> yeah, I mean, this yeah. is the season, man, like they're saying. And you know who's the king of summertime manscaping, Michael? It's Namor, <laughs> the Submariner. His Atlantean speedo leaves very little to the imagination, and dude always looks smooth when he's battling the villains of the deep blue sea imperious rex namor obviously hooked himself up with manscaped performance package 4.0 and it's time you do the same it has everything you need to prepare that summer bod manscaped has built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming their Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade, 
to reduce grooming accidents thanks to its advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-off switch to engage travel lock. That's kind of cool. And gives you the ability to turn the 4,000 Kelvin LED spotlight on and off when needed for more precise shaves. I'll just tell you, Michael, like I busted out my equipment for the summertime. You know, it's getting hotter. I got to have less hair on the body, you know, just trying to keep it uh, nice and cool around these parts. I'm excited. Both of those pieces of equipment are just so easy to use. That's the best part. I don't have to like prep anything. I'm just like, nope, it's ready to go. It's a smooth experience all the way around. I got to say also the battery lasts a long time. Like if you charge this, it will last you several uses before you need to recharge it as well, which I find very interesting. Did I mention this trimmer is waterproof too? Mm -hmm. Beach, lake, or shower? this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. And once you have the perfect haircut, you can use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness, even at the hottest summer barbecues. Most importantly, use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant to stay cool in the heat with a soothing aloe vera formula. It's the best in the business for below-the-waist freshness, and this clear-drying formula will keep looking good while smelling good. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers, which I wear quite often, they're very very comfortable and the shed travel bag wearing sandals with some nasty toenails during the summer months take a look at the shears 2.0 a luxury nail grooming kit this kit includes stainless steel nail cutters tweezers and grooming scissors so with the performance package 4.0 your balls will be ready to impress but make sure you cover the rest with the shears 2.0 so how do you go from imperious rexy to imperious sexy go to manscaped.com now get 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code wizards20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code wizards20 at manscaped.com it's smooth sack summer geeks get on board or get left behind Now it's time to find out what Wizard was thinking about their modern crop of comics in The Skinny. All right, first up here is Excalibur, the island of misfit X-Men. So this is a period where the creative team was Ben Robb, Salvador LaRocca, Pete Woods, and Scott Koblish. So they're saying, what you need to know, deemed the British X-Men, the mostly mutant team of Nightcrawler, Colossus, Shadowcat, Wolfsbane, Pete, what? Pete? Wisdom. I don't know about Pete Wisdom. Megan and Captain Britain is joined by ex-scientist Moira McTaggart to spread Professor X's dream across the Atlantic and defend the British Isles. The good. The book is good with a British feel when landmarks and sights are shown. When LaRocca pencils the book, which was only half of the issues we reviewed, the art is clean and dynamic. Seeing former X-Men characters like Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Kitty Pride together is cool for nostalgic X-Fans. Now, the biggest section here, the bad. This book is crippled by having 
too much going on, leaving little to focus on. There's a random infusion of mutant-related plots, none of which seem to be followed up on. The random references to Moira's infection of the legacy virus, Ogun possessing Kitty Pride in number 111, the High Evolutionary's battle against Exodus in number 113, all of these come and go. Some of the storylines pass on us as if they had just stopped for tea and then barely go on their way. Many other stories end in other comics or miniseries. You need to buy a Colossus one-shot and a New Mutants three-parter to finish stories that were built up in Excalibur. All this activity is happening to a group of characters that has no spark as a team. These heroes are supporting characters with no standouts coming to the forefront as stars. Nightcrawler reminds you too often that he's the team leader by stating it outright a few times at issue. But other than that, you don't believe it. And speaking of Nightcrawler, of all the rather mundane costume changes of this book, this is by far the worst. If Nightcrawler, who should be called Pirate Smurf with his silly hoop earring and swords, gets his color from a thin layer of blue fur, how did he grow a goatee? The recent additions to the team are super weak. Pete Wisdom is a poor man's Wolverine, mysterious ties to the government, cocky attitude, use of finger blades, and Douglock is a boorish data knockoff from Star Trek The Next Generation, spending too much time on his quest to understand emotions and his relationship with Wolfsbane. In the end, there is no drama built into any of these stories. When the dragons of the Crimson Dawn threaten Captain Britain's life, you never feel it really is threatened. When Colossus and Megan survive a plane crash in the mountains, you don't believe the status quo will truly be altered. And it isn't. The Buzz, rumored to be considered for cancellation, this is the lowest selling X title, which still ain't shabby for a top 30 seller. The Skinny, Excalibur is a title with static supported characters and lacks solid storytelling. As it stands, this book is a poor excuse for keeping once cool characters like Nightcrawler, Colossus, and Kitty Pride out of the real X-Men. The Verdict, one, which is crapola. Wow, Excalibur going down the tubes here. I guess you don't have Alan Davis and Chris Claremont writing, there's not much to look for. All right, jumping over to DC, we've got Detective Comics. A lack of drama equals a defective comic. You see what they did there? Creative team on this time around was uh, Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan. What you need to know. We're not going to get into that. Batman's origin. Look it up. The Good. More than any other modern continuity Bat book, this title makes good use of Batman's supporting cast. Batman interacts well with Robin, being stern yet paternal. Commissioner Gordon actually has the sense of humor to leave his roof before Batman pulls his disappearing act, giving you the impression that they've worked together for years. Even cops Bullock and Montoya are shown to be a Laurel and Hardy type cop team. Batman's Bruce Wade persona is particularly enjoyable. The reader falls for his shallow playboy billionaire act. He never makes a fool of himself and even uses Wayne's bumbling persona to help people. Example, in issue 711, Wayne recognizes a crook trying to swindle people's money in faux stock investment. With Wayne's bad rep for stock picks, he scares off the dupes by becoming interested. The layouts and dialogue make for sharp storytelling and it's very easy to follow what's going on. Mm, the bad. Unfortunately, there isn't much to follow. For a book called Detective Comics, there isn't much detective work. Plots and storylines are dull with no twist to surprise you while the heart of the stories aren't bad. They lack excitement and drama. As an example, you see very early on in the Assassin's storyline who is bringing the Assassins to Gotham City and why. In the book, since you know Batman himself isn't about to be killed by any one of the shooters, the mystery of why they were at work should have been the hook to the story. The only noteworthy part, a killer's motivation to redeem himself when his lover partner leaves him because he's lost his aim, is tossed aside as a minor plot point. To add to the dry stories, the coloring is flat. When Firefly shows up surrounded in fire, the flames are actually dark or orange brown instead of fiery yellow red. The buzz. Look for a massive Batbook crossover where an earthquake hits Gotham City early next year. It could match the hype of 1995's successful Contagion Bat crossover. The skinny, though the strength of the Batman character and 
supporting cast comes through, the stories that carry them are ultimately unmemorable. The verdict, a three, which is so-so. But a book that's not so-so in my mind, so I'm curious to find out what Wizard thinks, is Resurrection Man. No death adventures leave you flatlined. Oh no! Alright, so they say, what you need to know. Mitch Shelley was a victim of a mysterious experiment granting him the ability to repeatedly return from the dead, each time with a different superpower. He now roams America doing good deeds. The good. The strength of this book lies in its awesome concept. It allows for a great deal of variety, and the writers are making use of it. Each superpower Mitch gets seems to be distinct from the others. One time he could fly, project emotional force, encase his body in rocky armor, and was even a flaming skeleton. It's a neat twist, made more interesting by the fact that Mitch doesn't know what power he gets, and sometimes figures it out only just before dying. Since Mitch can't come back from the dead, you get a taste of what other comics rarely give you. The hero dies. Repeatedly. It's fun to watch the story unfold around Mitch when the villains think the guy is a corpse. There's a few genuine surprises in this book. For the first six issues, you follow Mitch, who had amnesia after being killed in an explosion, as he tried to make sense of his life. Each time he discovered a piece of his past, there was another twist waiting for him, and his wife and ex-partner killed him, for example. It keeps you on your toes. The bad. The book flounders in issues that don't deal with Mitch Shelley searching for his origin. There is nothing to issue number seven except to have Mitch go to Gotham and die a few times in order to work in a Batman guest appearance. In issue number eight, Mitch is host to a corny Bigfoot is real story. Otherwise, they sidetracked Mitch's origin story. A problem the writers will have to overcome with the book is its lack of drama. Since you know the main character cannot die and there has yet to be any supporting character built up to care about, nothing is at risk for Mitch. There's never any doubt Mitch will get up it after any failure, so there's no thrill to his adventure. The thrill definitely doesn't come from the vampiric villain Hooker, who apparently was in the same experiment Mitch was. All this guy does is bitch about how he's jealous of Mitch's abilities. When they finally confront each other in issues 4 to 5, Hooker gets the crap knocked out of him. Ho-hum. The buzz. The book is slowly getting attention, helped by its high-profiled guest stars. Talk is growing. The premise is tailor-made for a TV series, so don't be surprised. The skinny Resurrection Man's premise is a great one, but it's yearning for stronger stories to explore that concept with. So, they said a lot of stuff in there that I agree with. The number one being it should be a TV series. I mean, it's basically a quantum leap, you know? Like, it's awesome. But the idea that I see here that they're saying there's no drama because he can't die? I don't know. Like, the drama is how is he going to help the people that are in need? Because he is. He's the guy, the guardian angel of sorts, just trying to help people out, showing up. So I, I don't agree with that. As far as supporting characters, mm, maybe that's not the biggest thing. They do, like, develop that as the issues go on out of the first year. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely something where they can flounder back and forth, but I, I feel like I like those one-off stories. That, that appeals to me a lot. Hey, what do you know? The last review here is another one of my favorites from this era, Quantum and Woody, the world's funniest superhero team. What you need to know. Childhood friends Eric Henderson and Woody Van Shelton get caught in a bizarre lab accident fusing a control band to each other's wrists. The bands must make contact once every 24 hours or the duo will dissipate into formless energy. Donning costumes, the two now fight crime as Quantum and Woody. The good. The book is hysterical, plain and simple. From the title and tagline themselves, the world's worst superhero team, to the characters and scenarios, Quantum and Woody never takes itself too seriously. And that's mostly thanks to the great interaction between the two characters. Eric, a rich kid from Connecticut, has always been the mature, responsible one, while Woody's more of the happy-go-lucky class clown. Eric believes everything is one giant conspiracy. For example, he dragged Woody to Malaysia in Egypt in issue number three to track down a certain die that turned out to be red Kool-Aid. 
made, just as Woody predicted. Woody, however, is the lovable buffoon who sometimes screws things up, even when he's right. For example, while saving some hostages in issue number eight, Woody grabs one of them, claiming that the bad guys always plant their own amongst the hostages. Turns out he's right, except the real terrorist was the old lady behind him. The frequent chapters break up each issue nicely and are good for setting up the quick joke. Flashbacks show Eric and Woody doing goofy stuff as kids, like tranquilizing the neighbor's dog, which relate back to the main story. Eric still blames Woody for the punishment he received afterwards. These flashbacks help establish the strong bond that exists between these two friends, the bad. While Quantum and Woody is intentionally funny, there's really no depth to the stories beyond the humor level. A better balance between humor and drama would add more substance to this title. Quantum and Woody works best when it keeps to its own sense of humor. Issue number nine's guest appearance by the teenage super team Troublemakers just didn't work because it didn't fit into the book's comedic style. The book should stick to topical humor, as there are also a lot of annoying in-jokes connected to other acclaimed books, and the most casual readers just won't get it. And they aren't funny in the first place. And while the flashbacks are usually pretty funny, occasionally they get a bit confusing to follow. In issue number nine, it was hard to tell whether the little blonde-haired kid was Woody or one of the Troublemakers. The Buzz. Not many folks are grabbing onto this truly witty book. Positive word about this probably the title's only salvation. The Skinny. What started out as the stupidest sounding comic we ever heard of truly shocked the hell out of us. Quantum and Woody is one of the funniest comics on the market today. If you don't take your superheroes too seriously, you'll love this series. Ah, oh, I love to hear it. Wizard, you were right. And I guess I was one of the few that was buying it, but it wasn't enough. And Wizard certainly was trying to do their part to get the word out about that. So I applaud them. So there you go. That's the skinny for this issue. Now, hey, let's get into our next segment. Hey, geeks, it's a bonus edition of Jim and Todd's Hype Machine. So we had that awesome Todd McFarlane interview, talked about that funny kid, Rob Liefeld. Of course, we heard the other Comics Pro's opinions of Todd, but there was actually another sidebar titled Todd's Opinions that we didn't have time for that I wanted to check out. It says, here's what the forthcoming McFarlane has to say about the following big events of 1997. Forthcoming is a weird word there because they're saying, yes, he's outspoken, but I was like, he's coming up? He's a new guy? I don't know. That's confusing. Anyway, the new Superman. In a year from now, he's going to look exactly the same as he did before the change. If it's permanent, then God bless him. And I'll be the first guy to say thanks for clearing some dust off of this character. So interesting. He's talking about the electric blue Superman, soon to be the blue and red Superman. About heroes reborn the return? More gimmicks. These big events, I don't think there's any long-term thought process put in. Batman and Robin, the movie. I haven't seen the last two. I thought the first two sucked. They're just bad for a guy who's 36 years old like me. I'm beyond that. If I was in charge of that franchise, I would update it. Ooh, now we're getting more into Rob here. Rob Liefeld's fighting American controversy. On some level, I think the courts made the right decision. Rob tries to give his spin that he never intended this to be a ripoff of Captain America, and it was never some of the Captain America pages. But that's all bull. He's a funny kid. <laughs> funny kid. Alright, finally, Nicolas Cage as Superman, which we were talking about on the episode. I don't get it. Is he a draw? Yeah, I get it on that level, but to the Puritans, to the comic book geeks like me, is he Superman? I'm trying to figure it out, but I can't get it. 
Now, in more Todd news, I wanted to read just a few other quotes from him because Wizard asks him, were you happy with the Spawn film? Almost leaping out of his chair. I expected Spawn to be the number one movie that first week and Air Force One beat me and it bugged me for three days. Number two, that's like being the Patriots, losers of last season's Super Bowl. People say you should be happy to be number two, but I say go talk to the Patriots when they walked off the field on that January day and ask them how they felt. They didn't come in first, damn it. <laughs> so there you go. Now, as far as, was there anything you wanted to accomplish in 97 that you didn't get to? He says, not really. I don't think there was anything there that we missed. Next year, we'll come out with the X-Files toys since we got the license for the X-Files movie. They haven't granted a story license for the actual TV show, which is too bad because there's some cool characters there we'd like to do. But it's a start and hopefully we can convince them that we're the guys to do it. We're also looking at getting the Jason from Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare on Elm Street toys. They're doing a new move they're doing a new movie over at New Line where the two of them are going to cross over and we're trying to finalize the deal to do the toys because nobody could do them as good as us. So again, I find that really interesting. You're getting kind of that tease, right? There's an X-Files movie. We're doing the toys. There's supposed to be Freddy versus Jason. and Eventually there's Freddy versus Jason. Did he do the toys then? But I know he got to do those like movie maniacs figures. I think that's what they were called, right? So is there anything Todd McFarlane can't do if he sets his mind to it? All right, let's close things out here. Thank you so much for checking out this mini episode. Yes, Wizards Half is still going strong. I want to tell you what's coming up next here, what you can expect at this point. Uh, you have heard our interview with Michael Dolce on The Wizard Files. But coming up for episode 78, we have Robert Clark Chan from the AE Doubleback and knowing his half the podcast is going to be joining us. I want to send a shout out to our friend Kevin Decent at the Retro Network, past guest on the show for helping set that up. It's going to be a very fun conversation for you to hear, but also coming up, I want to make sure that you're aware of this. We have sent out the call as this episode drops that we are doing our second annual superhero fantasy draft. This is our extreme edition with all the 90s independent comics characters. So we would love for you to join us. Uh, we have our Patreon uh, subscribers who have already received their priority placement on the roster, but you can certainly get in now if you just email us wizardscomicspod at gmail.com or dm us on twitter at wizardscomics or instagram wizards underscore comics just let us know that you're interested the date is july 18th it's a tuesday it starts at 8 30 p.m eastern time okay so it's going to be over zoom so we'll send you a link and you can join in the fun it'll probably last an hour hour and a half just depends on how much talking we do in between each of our selections but it was so much fun last year we hope that you will join us for that of course patreon is the place to be if you want scans of the issues if you want uncut early release versions of the episodes as well as video versions of the episodes so that's a lot of fun especially as we have little breaks and hiatuses during the summer with the superhero summer series as we release those from the patreon vault if you can't wait for the next episode we may have recorded it it's just not gonna drop yet you can get on over to patreon.com forward slash wizards comics five bucks a month gets you all that and so much more check out the perks for yourself hey want to thank you so much for checking out this edition of wizards half and hey until next time keep your books bagged and boarded This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.